You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. On Tuesday, Democratic presidential contender and former prosecutor California Senator Kamala Harris announced she was dropping out of the 2020 race. At one point, Harris was one of the frontrunners in this Democratic field, but her lead withered and financial support dried up. The question is, why? Did race play a role? Did gender? And what do we make of the strong criticism of Harris for the work she did as a prosecutor? Back in the 90s and early 2000s, it was considered pretty crucial for candidates of color to prove that they could be tough on crime. But that reputation is precisely what seemed to drive Democratic voters away from Harris in the 2020 contest. Joining us to talk about the various political and social factors that played into the downfall of Kamala Harris is Ida B. Wells Fellow and senior writer for Jen, Andrea Gonzalez Ramirez. We want to talk about how changing cultural and social values affected Harris and whether or not it's fair to hold someone accountable for collective changes to our social and cultural ideologies. Uh, Andrea Ramirez, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Uh, So in your piece, you point out that Senator Harris started out very strong back in January when she first got into the race, but that many of her wounds throughout this campaign have been self-inflicted. Tell us what you think happened. Yeah, um, I think one of the main issues that Senator has was that she was never able to claim a lane. Um, in terms of her ideology, uh, in terms of, you know, the policy stances she was making. One example was her support for Medicare for All way back in August 2017. But then when it came down to the race, she proposed a different plan that was different to what Medicare for All actually is. Um, So she would struggle between one thing and the other. We also saw this with her uh, prosecutorial record she kind of struggled with explaining that. She was never able to say, hey, I'm a prosecutor, like someone like Senator Amy Klobuchar has done, or moving away from that because she got so much criticism um, because of the record she had while she was uh, an attorney general in California. Yeah. So it, it was, it, it, I think the main problem in Senator Harris was she was never, never able to define her identity as a candidate. Um, and a lot of those you know, stumbles that she had was because she could not make up her mind of, you know, how she would present herself to voters. So so I, I want to drill down on this question of her role as a prosecutor and and talk about how race and time play into that. As I said in the open, it used to be just standard fare for candidates of color to have to prove that they could be tough on crime for voters to support them. But the rules have kind of changed, and Harris was really strongly criticized for having been tough on crime as California's AG. Uh, this, talk about what has shifted that makes this now a detriment to, 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 to black candidates like Kamala Harris. Yeah, I think the issue is that we now understand how the criminal justice system does impact black and brown folks more than other people, right? We we have a better understanding of how the system is set up <laughs> and how, you know, in many ways, the, the way these communities are treated, um, it's different than usually white people. Um, and in that sense, because we have a different understanding of, you know, things like sentencing, things like nonviolent crime and how 
like, you know, people of color are usually sentenced to a lot of time in prison while white folks get away with a slap in the hand um, because we understand, you know, things like police brutality. I think collectively we moved away from that and, you know, there's a lot of push for reform, which makes it harder than to defend some of the decisions that Harris made while she was um, in California as a district attorney and then as the attorney general. Um, Even back when, when she was there, she made decisions that were kind of contradictory, right? Like her record shows that, you know, she did something like refusing to impose the death penalty against a 21-year-old kid who killed an undercover police officer. And she supported reforming the state's three-strikes law, right, which can be construed as like kind of progressive decisions. But at the same time, she would do stuff like support the city's decision to allow um, law enforcement officers to hand undocumented juvenile immigrants to federal immigration authorities if they were arrested for a felony, even if they were not convicted of it. And, you know, it, it was kind of like that same hard to pin what her identity was. It, it, that was the case when she was in California. And then a lot of those decisions were harshly criticized. You know, hindsight is 2020 and looking back, a lot of those decisions do not sit well with, with a lot of voters. And is it fair to apply this new standard when everybody, it seemed, was in the same boat 10, 15, 20 years ago, supporting all kinds of things that now seem unconscionable? Congressional Black Caucus, for instance, was the part of the, the, the Congress that helped deliver the crime bill to Bill Clinton. Now, of course, African-American uh, uh, prosecutors are being held accountable for those kind of things. Is, is that fair or is that, that a double standard? I don't know if I can qualify whether that's fair or not. What I can say is that, you know, it's the job of a candidate to speak for those past decisions, right? It's, it's the job of the voters to decide whether those past decisions, like, impact their whether these candidates are appealing to them or not. We mm-hmm. see someone like, you know, Vice President Joe Biden, who for a long time supported the High Amendment, which blocks federal funding for abortions. Yes. Um, and throughout his whole Senate career, he supported the High Amendment. And then earlier this year, when he said he still supported it, he got a lot of pushback and he changed his policy stance. And, you know, people moved on from that. I, I think it's up to voters to decide. I just think that you know, when it comes to Senator Harris, of course she faced um, some difficulties because she's a woman and she's a woman of color. And we cannot move away from the fact that, you know, women and women of color specifically are usually held to a higher standard. Mm-hmm. But I, whether it's fair or not, that should be up to voters to decide. So, so talk about the implications, though, of this happening to Kamala Harris in 2020. We have not had a lot of African-American women make successful plays for the major party nominations for for president. Does this damage that cause or does it maybe strengthen it by better defining the kinds of candidates who, who might appeal? Yeah, I think this is, you know, we have to treat this conversations with nuance. Um, we can say that she had her flaws as a candidate while simultaneously recognizing that she was running for the highest office in the land She's only the third black woman to shoot for this. Um, so obviously there's not a lot of precedent. And 
I think that it's her failure now. It's not going to be detrimental for future generations of black women who decide to run for office or not. But yes, definitely, we are very aware um, as women that we face, you know, concerns about how we speak and how we dress and how we, you know, pronounce certain things and, you know, the issues that we decide to highlight or not in ways that men don't. Um, And that's even more true for women of color. I don't think it's going to be damaging for future generations, but I definitely think that, you know, this gender and racial implications, uh, it it did have an impact on her on her campaign. Mm. Um, and, and do you expect that the field, which now does not have a black woman, will continue to be affected by these questions about criminal justice and uh, how people have handled it now that Harris is out? I would hope that, you know, candidates are still questioned on their records when it comes to these issues, right? Um, he is we don't have a black woman in the field right now, but we still have other people of color. And even if there were no people of color, I think the white candidates should be asked about this too. Um, the benefit of having a diverse field of presidential hopefuls is that they each can speak to issues that impact their communities most closely, right? We have someone like Julian Castro, who's made immigration a cornerstone of her policy agenda. Mm-hmm. We had someone like Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who before she dropped out, she made, you know, women's rights and, you know, family like a center part of her agenda. So I think it's important that this diverse voices are, you know, represented on the debate stage, but also on the primary. And whatever, whenever we lose someone like that, it, it is a loss for, I think, for the electorate. Mm-hmm. Okay, Andrea Gonzalez Ramirez, senior writer for Gen, the online magazine. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right, come back tomorrow when uh, Sandy Baru is going to be here to talk about the state of the region and transit. Plus, we'll have a conversation with the filmmaker behind Unlikely, a new documentary about second chances for college dropouts. This is 1019 WDET. Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk more tomorrow.